my baby brother, Apostle Cal. He and his wife, who's a teacher, she's a teacher of teachers. But he's accurate. He's bold. He's kind. I got to teach him to laugh, but that's a, that's another thing. You know, that's, that's another thing. He's serious, you know, but, you know, him and, you know, people like Prophet Tim back there, you know, I get around them and I get, yeah. <laughs> okay. But Apostle, I mean, Prophet Andrew is the prophet, Apostle Eddie saw a point to put him as the prophet over or with uh, uh, love and unity. His integrity, his, his love, his honesty, his transparency, his ethics. Yes, he does. Is God. And I have the honor of introducing Prophet Andrew Gonzalez, my friend, my prophet. Hallelujah. Welcome him. Forty-five minutes. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> she gave me a hug and says, "Forty-five minutes." Okay. So, forty-five minutes. All right. I will comply. First of all, I want to honor all the gifts here today. I know we have a lot of Ascension Ministry gifts here. Apostle Cal, my father, uh, without him, I don't know where I would be. And I say that with all honesty and sincerity. Um, I just honor him in my life for just being the man of God that I have need to help me develop. Amen. Yeah. And uh, all to the senior council, bless you. Uh, Apostle Fram, last night you tore me up. And you know what? As you were just sharing, God's just setting order in my thoughts because he was really talking about pattern. And if we really come back to pattern, we're going to see the church move in a way like we've never seen before. It's because we lost pattern It's because we don't understand the book of Acts. We don't understand the ways of God. And the church has gotten so far from the pattern. My God. Then Apostle Marshall's talking about transformation. Uh, we're all talking about transformation, but Apostle Fram, I mean, we can go, I can go 50 million directions with what he shared last night, but I want to stick to my assignment here, what I believe God has given me to speak. And let me make this first statement. I want to honor my wife as well, who's here, flew in yesterday, so I'm just blessed to have my wife. I wouldn't be the man of God standing here today without my wife. Come on, somebody. Amen. And I, I'm going to tell you this, honestly, I would not do what I'm doing right now if she wasn't behind me. I would not dare to step into anything without her support. 
And because of her support, I'm able to do what God has called me to do as a prophetic voice. Somebody say amen. amen. I know a lot of ministers, man, their homes are a wreck. My God, the days of those days are over because God is dealing with that foolishness where our children are out just messed up and tore up and we don't love our wives or, you know, if a woman is in ministry, she's not taking care of her home. Those days are order are over. Somebody say they're over. over. Amen. I'm going to make this statement here. Purpose outside of transformation is vanity. Purpose outside of transformation is vanity. Because it's void. It's empty. It's meaningless. And what we don't understand is that God wants to bring us into transformation to give us meaning back, to give us purpose back, to give us our dignity back. Somebody say amen. amen. So when we talk about, I want to read Matthew chapter 6, and I have to be intentional. Father, Holy Spirit, help me be intentional and hit the point and hit the targets in the name of Jesus. I want to read Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. We all know this scripture, but I'm just, I'm going to read it. It says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Are you listening? Yeah. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. See, we don't see the church has gotten so far from the message of the kingdom. And let me tell you something. Jesus came to reestablish his kingdom in the earth, and it's the message of the kingdom that we really need to focus on and nothing else. There's two things, the kingdom and his righteousness. Why? Because the kingdom has to have somebody who knows how to live in it and begin to manifest its dynamics in the earth. And the only way that those dynamics of the kingdom are going to manifest is through a place called his righteousness. And you know what? I don't hear much righteousness preaching today. We can articulate the kingdom, but we can't articulate righteousness. We can articulate and preach the kingdom, but how come I don't hear the word of righteousness being preached today? You know what righteousness is? It's his image. It's his divine nature. Righteousness is every dynamic in the kingdom. Come on, somebody. We can't just pick certain topics and preach it. Come on, as if we have ownership over that. Because everything that's in the kingdom is righteousness. It's every facet that's in the kingdom. It's healing, deliverance, salvation. And so righteousness, we need to get an understanding of what righteousness is, but it's his image. It's every facet of the kingdom. It's his divine nature. Philippians 2.13, it says it is his righteousness which works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Because what we don't understand is, listen, righteousness is inside of you. I believe it's in 2 uh uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 5. It says that he made us righteous. And what we don't understand is that the kingdom of God 
is the perfect place. The kingdom of God is perfection. There's no flaw in the kingdom. It's a perfect system. And so therefore, it demands perfection. See, the law also demanded perfection, but it couldn't give you the power to live in perfection. That's why Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets. Why? Because the law could not make those who were practicing it perfect. There was only one who was perfect, and his name is Jesus. He came in the flesh, human flesh, that was tainted by sin and the fall of Adam, and he began to walk out and pattern, come on somebody, and live a perfect, flawless life in the flesh. So we have the system that God created for us to live in, but then he put his righteousness inside of you. How did he put his righteousness? The Christ that was left in the earth is living and residing on the inside of you. That's why the Bible says in him we what? We live and move and have our being because it's in Christ. It's in that place of righteousness. Lord Jesus. You know, scriptures like 1 John chapter 5, verse 18, always used to puzzle me. And let me read this to you. It says, for we know that whosoever is born of God sins not. What does the scripture mean? What does it mean that you sin not? It's a contrary of, 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 of understanding. Because everybody sins. Come on, somebody. Even after you get born again. But what is Paul, what is John talking about when he says, whosoever is born of God does not sin. But he that is begotten of God keeps himself and the wicked one cannot touch him. It's like what one of these guys said. I don't remember who said, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is inside of you. See, when we got born again, we were born from a place of heaven. So our identity comes from this place of heaven. So when I got born again, the kingdom now lives inside of me. Righteousness now lives on the inside of me. And that's the place that cannot sin. That's the place that's not tainted. That's the place that sin cannot affect me in that place so what I do is I have to begin to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness I must understand that the righteousness of God that's in me begins to work out every flaw my gosh every mistake everything that hinders me every shortcoming the righteousness of God begins to work those things out my God just doing a study on righteousness, and there's nine Greek words in the New Testament for the word righteousness. Nine. Because we cannot explain righteousness with one word. It's a conglomerate of words that give expression to what righteousness truly is. Because when we understand righteousness, we begin to understand the wrath of God. See, we think the wrath of God is to destroy I'm here to tell you the wrath of God is here to defend you. The wrath of God is here to judge. 
those things that are inside of you and help work those things out. The judgment of God is not to judge against you. It's to judge in your favor. Because God knows that you didn't have the power to overcome life. He gave life. He gave you the authority through righteousness to overcome every obstacle in life. But we must understand that we have to be transformed. What is transformed? Your spirit? No. When you got born again, your spirit man was awakened unto righteousness. And now you begin to live from a place of righteousness or perfection. From the perfect place. So what is it, Marshall, that gets transformed as you were talking about the butterfly coming into transformation, transforming from one form into another, from a caterpillar, come on somebody, into a butterfly, from a tadpole into a frog. It's your soulish nature that needs to be dealt with. Because God reconciled back unto himself and brought everything back unto him. It's already done. When Jesus said to tell us die, it is finished. I'm telling you what, he already reconfigured you. He already brought you back. He already restored you. But the problem I'm now dealing with is here. That's why when I read Romans, Paul said, there's a war in my members. Why? Because there was a war inside of him. His divine, the divine nature of the righteousness of God was battling his mind, will, and emotions. That's why the scripture that the God of peace will sanctify you holy, body, soul, and spirit. What Adam lost, Adam lost righteousness. And his mind spun out of control. He lost grace. He lost relationship. He lost covenant rights and relationship to God. He didn't understand anymore because that was the fall. It brought him into a place of separation from God. But Jesus came to restore us back to the Father. So listen to me. Our relationship to God is perfect through a place called righteousness. It can never be broken. It can never be hindered. It can never be disturbed. I have a conduit straight to the throne. And it can never be broken. In Luke, it doesn't say seek first. It says, but rather, in Luke chapter 12, verse 31, it says, but rather seek ye the kingdom, and all these things will be added unto you. In verse 32, it says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. See, a man must be born again to see the kingdom, but it's another thing when the father gives you his kingdom. But you got to seek the kingdom and the understanding and the revelation in order for him to give it to you. And the only way he's going to give it to you is when you begin to tap into the revelation of what is true righteousness done for you. Why is he seek first the kingdom and his righteousness? If we really truly understood righteousness, it's a judgment that God gave you. Not to judge others, to judge yourself. That's, right. That's, right. That's why the scripture says judgment first starts in the house of God. That's right. Yes. 
It starts in this house. How do I judge this? I take the righteousness, which is perfect, and begin to judge the imperfection that's in me and begin to work those things out. Y'all, listen. Righteousness didn't come destroy you. It came to liberate you. Righteousness, one of the words for righteousness, one of the nine Greek words is acquittal. You can't have acquittal unless you have a judgment. So what righteousness says is that that thing that you're struggling with has no right to invade you anymore. So when I tap into the righteousness of God, I use his righteousness to judge that circumstance to turn it around in my faith. What? Y'all listening? I got 30 minutes. You know my honor. <laughs> she, she got I got it too. I want to talk about a man whose life was radically changed. A man who was just like you and I. He was a radical. Come on, somebody. He was uncut. Come on. He was raw. He was green. But he was a man of passion. And when we observe this man, we see from the beginning of him coming in to his discipleship where he was to where he finished. Because Peter was a man of justice. Peter was a man that wanted to have an insurrection because he hated the Roman Empire because they suppressed them. That's why when he said, I, when, when his brother said, I heard that there's a Messiah, and he goes and he gets him, and he comes, come, he says, a Messiah, there's a king that's going to overthrow Caesar. So in Peter's mind, he's thinking justice. In Peter's mind, he's following the master. Why? Because he thinks that the master is going to overthrow Caesar and overthrow Herod, and he begins to follow. But Peter was a man of passion, and that's why I said he was a man of purpose. Come on, somebody. But purpose that's not directed in the right direction, come on, is misdirection. Passion that hasn't been, come on, uh, uh, brought with a purpose, amen, it, it, be, it begins to be misled. And what happens is that many of us here today have passion, but until we're transformed, that passion, amen, is, is not going to produce anything for God. It has to be transformed. It has to be changed. It has to come into his divine nature. And the way that happens, the process of transformation comes through the venue called righteousness. That's why in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 4, it says the king came to judge with righteousness and he judged the poor. Jesus judged the poor with righteousness. But can, can you show me in the scripture and in the gospels, every time he judged, it was healing and deliverance and demons came out. Come on, somebody. Why? Because he utilized the righteousness or the perfection of God in his life to begin to judge. That sickness that had no rights. 
When we begin to understand his righteousness, which only comes by the way of transformation, come on somebody, then we have the right to begin to judge, not to condemn people, but to liberate and free people from the oppression and the bondages of the sin nature. Peter was a man of passion. And when we look, Peter was the one that was dealt with the most. See, Peter had a passion and a fire. And God had to transform his life. Because when you begin to read 1st and 2nd Peter, he wrote that from an ascended place. He didn't write that, well, come on somebody, with, with not understanding his divine nature. Come on somebody. He begins to write 1st and 2nd Peter from a life that was been transformed into his image. But Peter had to go through a process. Peter was raw and uncut and he had passion, but his passion misled him. See, many of you have passion, but your passion will mislead you and misdirect you unless you have that passion, come on, tied to righteousness and transformation. The, inst the instantaneous transformation is when you got born again. But the process of transformation is continual because you're renewing the spirit of your mind. And it's helping you reconfigure as you're hearing. Let me read 2 Peter, or 2 Chronicles chapter 5. Watch this. If you have your Bible, let me just read this because I have to go quickly. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? So guess what happened? You're a new creation. So God brought you into righteousness. That's the new creation, man. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So now righteousness has a right to work in your life. And what it does is it begins to judge everything. First in your life. You know what it says in Proverbs? It says, greater is he that rules his spirit than he that takes a city. Because, see, we cannot take the region unless we first take ourselves. And let me tell you something. Righteousness gives you the right. Come on. It gives you the right to take dominion back for yourself first. You can't have dominion in the region or in the city when you don't even have dominion over your appetites. Uh, you don't have dominion in how you eat. You don't have dominion over your children. You don't have dominion over your mouth. You don't have dominion over your actions. You don't have dominion. Come on, when you're driving down the street and cutting people off, you don't have dominion. You can't treat your wife right. You can't treat your husband right. You don't know how to treat the minister right. You don't know how to honor the gifts that God has given you. Just like Jesus told the woman at the well, if you only knew the gifts, there's so many that don't know the gifts that God has given them. We understood that there were gifts to one another. We would honor each other and pull out the things that we need from each other. My God. Says old things have passed away and all things have become new. Now, in verse 18, it says, And all things of God, whom has reconciled us to himself by Jesus, and has given us the ministry of what? What is reconciliation? It really is righteousness. That's why the Bible says, Iron sharpens iron. Why? 
because the righteousness in me will not allow you to live in dysfunction. Not me. The righteousness, the Christ that's in me, I don't have to say nothing. I just have to walk and live. That's right. When Jesus walked, he said, son of David, have mercy on me. Yes. Why? Because the righteousness was in him, was judging blind Bartimaeus and saying, Bartimaeus, you don't have to be blind anymore. He never said a word, but the righteousness was in him, began to invade the territory. And somebody responded to the righteousness that was in him. The woman with the issue of blood responds to the righteousness of He didn't call her. She began to push everybody out of the way because there was a crowd. She was desperate. And how many of you know there's many that are desperate? There's many that are desperate. But if there's no change in your life, if righteousness is not working in your life, they're going to walk right by you. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. I don't know about you, but I need to take this thing serious. Because people's lives depend on whether I transform and live in righteousness or not. My time is going so quick. Lord, multiply my time. Or... Let Apostle Baker take a break and walk out the doors. Go take, go take a break. <laughs> Robin said, stop the sun like Joshua. In verse 21, it says, and he had made us or he had made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin. That we might be the righteousness of God in Him. So when I'm in Him, righteousness has a place to work now. But righteousness cannot work on its own. You need a helper. His name is Holy Ghost. Why Jesus said it's expedient, Apostle Eddie that I go away because I'm going to leave righteousness. The Christ stayed in the earth. The anointing stayed. The righteousness of God stayed in the earth. When Jesus ascended, Holy Ghost descended to help that righteousness now begin to work and manifest in our life. We don't understand the importance of relationship with Holy Ghost. Righteousness will not work outside of the Holy Ghost. In Isaiah 61, verse 10, you know what it says? He's given us the robes of righteousness. See, when we're in him, righteousness is in us. The kingdom is in us. So guess what? Perfection and eternity is right living on the inside of you. And so in order to access eternity, which is a timeless realm, it comes by righteousness. But Isaiah says we're putting on the robes of righteousness. What does that mean? That's transformation. Because the scripture says put off the former conversations of the old man and put on the new man. 
So righteousness gives us a right to put off these things that stop us. Pride, arrogance. Not being able to connect. Thinking that we have to build the kingdom on our own. Having our own churches, being separate, being a soloist, working on our own. When the body says we're fitly framed together and we're connected. And we have these ministry gifts that travel and they're by themselves. God help them. Because that's a learned behavior that's outside of the kingdom system. When you understand the kingdom, you understand the importance of being connected because you can't do this thing on your own. You have to have somebody there to help you. Being fitly framed means joints connected together. And how many of you know through the joints there's ligaments and nutrition flows through those ligaments. So if you're not connected to your brother or sister, you ain't got no nutrition coming. You ain't got no spiritual vitality coming into your life. Isaiah 61.10 says the robes of righteousness. That's why the prodigal son did what he did to his father. But it was when he came back, the first thing the father did is put a robe back on him. Because when he was in the house, he didn't understand righteousness. And he abused righteousness. Come on, somebody. Until he went out, man, he got beat up by the world. And he came back. He said, I'd rather be a servant in my father's house than a son. And the first thing the father does is put a robe of righteousness on him because he now understands the principle of seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness. He's not going to abuse the thing that God had given him. So many in the body of Christ are abusing the righteousness that God has given them. But you don't want to hear this message. We're abusing the righteousness of God. Beloved, take not the grace of God in vain. This thing that God has given us is for our benefit. And to not seek the kingdom and his righteousness is a violation of the kingdom. Because he brought you into the kingdom for such a time as this. Do you know that Esther had to prepare for a year? She had to go through some discipleship. She had a all about purification. Months with oil, six months with fragrances. You see, there are aspects of righteousness that we don't know. But when we begin to seek out the revelation of righteousness, things begin to to explode. The Lord said, Andrew, my church doesn't understand righteousness. I want you to begin to dig into it like never before. I said, Lord, show me what this thing is all about. And he began to show me righteousness and begin to show me my life. That's why the word says the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder, soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You know what righteousness does? It brings you to the place where it sh- reveals your, your heart to yourself. Because yes, right. righteousness will show you the thought and the intent of your heart. And many of us, our intentions are wrong. But if we let righteousness begin to expose 
those areas in our life, it's going to bring order and alignment. Because you know what righteousness does? It brings order. It brings alignment. Come on. It brings stability. It brings, come on, it brings all everything that you need because it exposes your heart. And it was designed to reveal yourself to yourself. I'm not even talking about the image. I'm talking about righteousness and transformation. Because when we're really seeking, <clears throat> Apostle Robin, when we're really seeking righteousness, it begins to expose us. Yes. And you know what? When we get exposed, it brings a soberness and it a humility. Yes, sir. It does. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, it does. Y'all listening? Yes. Ephesians 4.22 says, put off the former conversation of the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Because there's a spirit side in your mind. I said there's a spirit side in your mind. That's the place of revelation. Gone are the days where we just speak, but we impart. Paul said, I long to be with you that I can bring an impartation into your life. I can no longer speak with intellect because it ain't going to work. I have to speak like Apostle Marshall said. I'm a, a, a revelator. We have to speak by revelation. We have to penetrate the heart of people to cause them to be pricked. Amen to cause there to be a shaking, to cause there to be a rattling. You know what? We should be preaching and they should be saying, oh, gosh. Like Michael Fram last night preaching, I said, oh, I could feel things shifting. Because the word of the Lord was coming and saying, adjust this, Andrew. Adjust these things and set these things in order. That's righteousness. He was preaching righteousness because righteousness is order. Righteousness says you can no longer live in dysfunction and disorder. You can no longer mistreat. If you're a, if, listen to me, if you're a fivefold ministry leader, you can no longer mistreat others. Righteousness will not allow it. It won't allow you to break relationship. It won't allow you to be jealous. It won't allow you to walk in competition. It won't allow you to do any of these things because righteousness stops you in your tracks. But listen to me. The key is you got to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Righteousness will never have a place to work unless you're seeking it aggressively. Blessed are they that hunger and there has to be a hunger to live a life of order. There has to be a longing. Come on to say, God, line me up. There's some things in me I know that need to come into order and I'm hungering, I'm thirsting. Give me, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And in that bread has sustenance to sustain you like he told the prophet, arise and eat this bread for the journey is too great for you. I'm going to tell you something. God has a journey for you, but the journey is too great. So you got to rise up and hunger and thirst for the righteousness that God has laid. The Bible says he laid a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And I love what Apostle Cal said in the tabernacle, in the holy place where, where the table of showbread was. There were no enemies allowed in the presence of God. Only you were allowed to come and partake 
of the table of the Lord. And let me tell you, when David said he laid a table before me in the presence of my enemies, the enemy is you. The enemy is your Adamic nature that resists the kingdom and resists righteousness. But if you're hungering, if you're thirsting for righteousness, my God, you have the right to slay every enemy of your soul. I got 10 minutes. Ephesians 4.24, and put on the new man, which what? After God was created in righteousness and true holiness. See, righteousness is the, is, is the factor in your life that allows you to put off, put off to deal with your carnal mind, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Amen. Peter's transformation was no doubt undeniable. When we look at Peter's life from the beginning to the time he wrote first and second Peter, there was a vast difference because he had passion, which was misdirected. But when he was transformed, he had passion and he was nailing everything in the kingdom. He was hitting the mark. My God, through his divine nature of God, he was hitting everything in his life towards the end of his life because he was walking in transformation. He was walking in the principles of righteousness. He was transformed in his life. Jesus rebuked Peter in Matthew chapter 16. When Peter says, be it far from thee, master, you're not going to go and die in Jerusalem. And what did Jesus say? He said, get behind me. For you savor us not or you're not thinking like the kingdom. Peter was raw and uncut. He would just blurb things out. Because when you're immature, you just blurb things out. Like you're spiritual. When the scripture says the words of a wise man are heard in quiet more than the cry of him among fools. I'm very leery when I'm around people and they got everything to say. <laughs> When Daniel Francis first came on, you know what he told me, Apostle Dad? You know he told me about a, 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 a Apostle Francis when on Wednesday when he first came? He said, that man is a man of wisdom because he's quiet. But when he speaks, it's dynamic. Now, he told me that three or four years ago when he first came on. Because wisdom is quiet. So in Matthew chapter 16, Peter, Jesus rebuked Peter. But isn't it interesting that Peter has a divine revelation from the father of sonship? When Jesus says, who am I? Peter's the one, the only one that stands up. He says, you are the Christ, the righteousness of God. The son that carries the righteousness. Let me tell you something. Peter had a revelation. And Jesus said, this came from the Father, my God. If we ever need to get a revelation of sonship and righteousness, that comes from the Father. 
And then later on, <laughs> Jesus is rebuking him because he's speaking contrary to his destiny. If you don't know what you're saying, shut up because you might be speaking contrary to somebody's destiny. Until we understand righteousness, then we have a right to begin to speak into people. And it takes relationship. Y'all listening. Six minutes. We see in John chapter 18, verse 10, Peter cuts off Malchus's ear. You talk about a man with passion, a man with purpose, but a man that was not transformed. And everything Peter did was vain and unfruitful and empty and fruitile. Until you come into transformation, we miss the mark continually. Transformation is so important, church, people of God. It's so important because when you are transformed, you no longer miss it, but you hit it. Because you come into a place of maturity and you let righteousness begin to work in your life. John 13, verse 36 through 38, Peter denies Jesus three times. Boy, Peter was a hot mess. But how many of you know that God is a hot mess specialist? You know what Peter did? You know what Peter did? He allowed the righteousness of God to judge his dysfunction and begin to bring order in his life and bring redirection because he hated Caesar so much. He wanted to overthrow Caesar. Trust me, please believe me. And, and his purpose had to be redirected through a process of transformation. Peter denies Jesus three times. And when he denied him the third time, he began to weep. He began to weep uncontrollably and weep bitterly. And I'm going to bring up my Bible software because I didn't get a chance to finish this, but I want you to turn to 1 Peter. Chapter 1, and we're going to read some here, and then I'll, I'll, be, I'll be finished with what... I believe the Lord gave me. Amen. How many of you are blessed so far? I needed this word today. And you know what happened was I had something very strange. I had an experience at the airport, and I shared a little bit in our senior council. But as I was here, I felt dry. I felt arid. I felt like uh, I can't explain what I was feeling. And even though the word was so powerful last night, I, it was going into my spirit. But I felt this weird, I can't even describe what I was feeling. Like I wasn't even here. And so last night, I was sitting up here, and, and the Lord says, have, have Robin just pray for you. I said, Robin, come here, just pray for me. And he puts his arm, and we started weeping. And as soon as he began to pray, that thing broke off of me. And this morning, I hear the Lord saying, Jack, that they're in this region, it's like it's stoic. It's like a monotone. People have become numb to the presence of God. He said, Andrew, I needed you to feel what it's like to be numb to my presence. I said, I hate that feeling. I can't stand it. I couldn't feel any. And I'm not a feely person. Please believe me. 
but I know how to feel the presence of God. Yeah. Yeah. And I couldn't feel it. And he said, Andrew, that's, that's what this region is. And I wanted to encourage you, man of God, stand strong because the Lord is going to give you an anointing to plow the fallow ground. He's going to give you the power to plow. He's going to give you your energy back because you lost some vitality and spiritual energy. And the Lord says, just like I said over here, he told the prophet, rise up, come up out of the cave, rise up and eat this bread for the journey I have is too great for you. The Lord says that there's going to be a time and a season where he's going to bring you in and you're going to sit at the table of the Lord. And the very thing that you eat is going to your spirit and it's going to revitalize you and give you this vitality and the spiritual energy to do what he's called you because he's anointed you and brought you in for such a time as this. I know that's cliche, but for such a time as this, because he's going to save a generation quickly. Quickly, First Peter chapter 1. Watch what it says here. <clears throat> Peter, the transformed man, begins to write. When I read First and Second Peter now, I read it because Peter wrote it from the ascended place. So everything he wrote, he's writing from his div div divine nature. Watch this. Verse 1. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout... And he names the regions. He called them strangers. Who was he calling strangers, Apostle Marshall? His people. They were strangers, but what were they strangers to? They were strangers to the Adamic nature. They had been so transformed that they no longer could associate with the carnal realm of this world. They begin to understand their citizenship was from heaven. So they're not walking anymore according to the, to, to the limitations of this world. They understood the divine nature of God. They understood their assignment, the righteousness of God working in their life. Now, 1 Peter chapter 2, and I got, I got a minute. She's staring at me. Let me finish my thought here. Listen to Peter. If you read 1 Peter chapter 2, the whole chapter is powerful. But watch this in verse 9. But you are a chosen generation. What is chosen? The righteousness of God that's in you has been chosen. Now that you've been chosen in this place of righteousness, you must rise up to be the royal priesthood. You must rise up to be the kings and the priests that he's called you to be. And that comes through the dimension and the realm and the power and the authority of a place called righteousness. You become a peculiar people. Do you get the language that Peter is now talking? He's no longer saying, be it far from thee, master, but he's got it in his spirit. He understands the divine nature. He understands who he is in the kingdom system of heaven. Amen. Amen. I had like 10 seconds, but I yield my time. Because she, she going to beat me up. Hallelujah. <laughs> mm. 
Okay. We, we, hallelujah. 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 We have three minutes. Oh, we have three minutes. Spirit, soul, body. You got three minutes uh, to to renew yourself. 